Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome back for another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. Whew! We are still catching our breath from this past 420. What an epic day it was. We really hope you enjoyed our live episode about the life and times of Jack Hare, Rhymes with Terror, which we dropped on the morning of 420. It's a really important piece of cannabis history, and we're really proud to have been able to tell it in front of a live studio audience, and then, of course, subsequently to all of you. And now we find ourselves on another Weedness Day. Uh, it's here again already. So this week's episode is actually going to be a little bit different. But before we get to that, being my man, what did you do this past 420? I was in New York City on 420, and I got to say... Being in Washington Square Park and getting blazed with thousands of people in a newly liberated city in a park where so many people have gotten hassled and busted over the years. And Mm -hmm. it was just a weed free for all. One of the best 420 memories of my life. Being back in a city where I was arrested, where so many people have been arrested for weed and to see This bohemian park, the center of Greenwich Village, acting as a center of culture and public assemblage with weed everywhere. It was just fantastic. Shout out to everybody in the baked apple later that night. Got to go to a weed maps party. Shout out to our friends there. Leafly party. Big shout out to them. And even a weed feed dinner. So 420 in NYC was absolutely lit. And the next day, my home state, your former residency of New Jersey, opened its weed store. So an incredible weed week since since we last checked in. Yeah, wow. The East Coast has really transformed since I last was there. Uh, I was a criminal when I was last there. Uh, So, you know, it's really amazing to hear that because, you know, I spent so many years in New York hiding and smoking cannabis. And though late to the party, I'm very glad the Big Apple is being smoked out of now. You know what I'm saying? It's been tunneled through by a paper made pen of justice and, (laughs) and packed with a bowl of freedom And the smoke ignited and pulled all the way through, thereby infusing the entire apple. Do not eat that apple. Great Moments of Weed History does not recommend actually eating the apple you smoke out of. Although, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe maybe that's a great moment to to be, you know? (laughs) It'll uh, probably get you high. Those brown parts are not oxidation. That is resin. And, of course, the... (laughs) The best thing about an apple pipe in Prohibition land, and shout out to all of you who spent one more 420 in Prohibition land. We're with you. We know you got high anyway. Uh, You can eat an apple pipe. You can literally eat the evidence. And it's actually decarbed, so it'll probably get you (laughs) high too. You know, I mean, more so than it would if you were just eating the weed or the apple itself. So there we go. A great moment just happened. We just invented a way to get even higher off of your apple pipe. And how was your 420, my friend? My 420 was incredibly hectic, as it usually is, but this time in a slightly different way. So I went down to Green Street, which is where we recorded the live episode that we dropped on 420, and I hung out with a bunch of friends. And it was just a sort of, you know, indulgent day, right? Well, we just got lit and had a few laughs and kicked it. There was a party at the building 
So I basically was there all day until 4.20, and then we got super, super baked, right? Everybody yelled and screamed and lit up something fat. Woo, uh, yeah. 4.20! <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you, you catch the vibe, right? You understand what I'm talking about. At 4.30, 10 minutes after the moment, right, I actually dipped out because another event that has nothing to do with cannabis happened to be scheduled on 4.20, and that was the premiere of the Paramount Plus show, The Offer, which my fiance, Allie, produced on. It's a 10-episode series about how her dad, Albert S. Ruddy, produced The Godfather. And uh, Al, my soon-to-be father-in-law, is played by Miles Teller. It was just an incredible experience because we went from the biggest day of the year for me to the biggest day of the year for her. I was supporting her throughout it. I was very, very stoned throughout that party, uh, even though I was in a black suit the entire time, <laughs> it was so crazy to go from like being just weeded out at Green Street, you know, which is like the new weed hangout in LA to being at Paramount, this historic Hollywood studio. And, you know, my fiance Ali is like working the room. It was really interesting. It was really different. Uh, and I was very, very lit. I'd like to give a special shout out to Pod Tones, our sometimes sponsor. Because that was the sleekest and most discreet way for me to get high at that premiere. And I did. I sucked down an entire chill pen and an entire up pen over the course of the evening. It was a different 420. It was a really good 420. And I got a lot of wonderful messages from a lot of people saying, happy 420. And I'm so stoked that I come to mind for people when they think of 420. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you got messages like that too. Uh, so thanks so much if you hit us up to say happy 420. We always appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. That extends to everybody who hit us up in our DMs or, of course, our Patreon family sending us messages there. I, I got to say, I was a little confused because when you said you were going to the premiere of a film on 420 called The Offer, I thought it was about a weed deal. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an ounce of OG Kush for $850. The first person to break the $800 barrier, right? It's based on RIP. And uh it, yeah, it, it was uh, an offer that was not refused. Someone paid $850 <laughs> for that ounce of OG Kush. It was the, it was the only ounce of OG Kush for hundreds of miles. Which, of course, drove up the price. That was the offer in question. But yeah, the show is fantastic. Bean, I think you're really going to like it as a film buff and a fan of old Hollywood. There's definitely a lot of really fun referentialism in there. Shout out Matthew Good, who plays Bob Evans, who I know is a favorite character of ours. And dude, he crushes it. You are really going to love this Bob Evans portrayal. I thought of you when I saw it. Was I dying to roll up a fatty and watch the offer? You bet I was. Would it have been better if they let me write, produce, and direct it from the grave? Who can say? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fantastic. R.I.P. the legend, Bob Evans. If you're out there and you don't have Paramount+, Plus, get it. Watch this show. Absolutely. And speaking of offers that you could refuse, some of you refused, some of you... Very thankfully accepted. Uh, just a quick little update on our weedathon, which ended on 420. We did not quite make it to our goal of 420 supporters, but I have to say we are really blown away by the support that we did get. We have over 200 supporters now on Patreon, and 
that is not just helping us make this podcast once a weed on Weedness Day for you, but it is helping us look to the future for some really, really big expansions of the great moments in weed history universe, all because of you, our beloved Patreon supporters who went to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com and joined the fam. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are not yet a part of our Patreon fam, we encourage you to go to greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. Check out the bonuses that we've got for you. If you support us on Patreon, there's a good chance you're watching the video version of this right here. And if you don't have the ducats, help us spread the word on our show by telling interested parties about great moments in weed history. All right. So like we mentioned earlier, today we're going to do things a little bit differently and we're going to share a special episode from a new podcast that we've really been loving. It's called What's Your Problem? Great title. Each week, host Jacob Goldstein talks to really, really smart people who are facing some of the biggest challenges in modern business. Jacob used to host the Planet Money podcast, and now he's combining his expertise about the money and business world with his passion for technology and new ideas. So in the episode you're about to hear, he's joined by Joy and Raft Hollingsworth, the brother and sister team who run the Hollingsworth Cannabis Company. And they have a little problem. How do you help more black people get into the largely white legal weed business? And this is something we've mentioned many times on the show before. The Hollingsworths faced this problem from the very beginning as they tried to start a marijuana farm from scratch in rural Washington. They lived their entire lives in downtown Seattle and did not know anything about farming. All right, so a few things you're gonna hear in this story. A paper bag full of cash, a dinner with Anthony Bourdain, and hundreds of millions of dollars in weed taxes, right? And it'll definitely leave you thinking differently about the business of cannabis. All right, so here's Jacob's conversation with Joy and Raft Hollingsworth, We really hope you enjoy it, and you can hear more of What's Your Problem wherever you find podcasts. Stay where you are, roll up a joint, split a blunt, pack a bong, and dabulate a dab, and settle in for this truly, truly excellent story from our new friends at What's Your Problem? What's Your Problem? And we'll see you next weed on Weedness Day for another great moment in weed history. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem, the show where entrepreneurs and engineers talk about the world they're going to build once they solve a few problems. My guests today are Raft and Joy Hollingsworth, the brother and sister team that runs the Hollingsworth Cannabis Company, aka THC Co. Joy and Raft run a farm in Washington State, where they grow and sell about $600,000 of marijuana a year. Their problem? How do you help more Black people get into the legal weed business? They've been working on this problem for a long time. It started about a decade ago, right after Washington State legalized recreational marijuana, and Joy and Raft decided to start their own weed farm from scratch in rural Washington State, despite having lived their whole lives in downtown Seattle. At the time, their dad had just retired after a career at the Seattle Parks Department, and he put up a big chunk of his retirement savings to fund the farm. Joy and Raph told me, like a lot of entrepreneurs, when they started out, they really didn't know what they were doing. 
you got to be a little crazy. You know how they say entrepreneurs, you jump off a cliff and you're going to figure out how to build your plane on the way down. That's what it kind of felt like. Uh Yeah. And we we start driving out, found the property on Craigslist. It was six acre plot of land in Mason County. You know, we see this land, we like it. I say, I'll take it. And the real estate agent, Larry at the time said, okay, well meet me at the Mason County title office. Okay, great, Larry. So we go down there and I had a Safeway bag, like a paper bag full of cash. Oh my God. We we're going to pay for this land. And we were so like evasive at the time. We didn't want to tell anybody our plans. What do these two black guys from Seattle want with six acres off of this private dirt road by the prison? What do they want? It was ridiculous in hindsight, but. I mean, you're you telling know. it as, as funny, right? But like, were there any other black people there? Was that scary was it fine like how was that part of it uh there's no other black people out there and the neighbors have been really nice to us to this day they've been great stewards as as neighbors and so how did you get from there to here right so you got your farm you get to know the neighbors chaos chaos (laughs) it was chaotic we had a fence we had cameras we had a couple of buildings but the rest was just we're in the open field we don't really know what's going on. We're going to grow plants. We're going to not only we're going to grow plants, we're going to grow 4,000 plants in the dirt. We buy dirt from um, this guy down the road because we heard from a friend that he has good dirt. And it's like landscaping dirt. It's not even dirt you grow. We like plants in. So, like you bought the wrong dirt? You bought the wrong dirt? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a problem. From this guy who paid like $7,000. It was a problem. I mean, there was just so many different things. We're freaking out. I moved to the farm. I'm living in the construction trailer that we have, you know, put on the farm as our office space. I'm sleeping in the office. We hire a guy on um, Craigslist. We oh hire everybody God. that first year from Craigslist. Yeah, no, Joy, tell me. Yeah, I've, it's been all raft so far. Tell me what 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 is that? I was on like mute listening to. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry. We're still on year one, and I think you want to get from year one to now. So, Joy, you pick I'm up sorry. the story here. No, I love it. But, Joy, you pick up the story. Get me over the next nine years here. I'm listening to year one right now, Jacob, and I'm like, bro, we'll get us to 2021, please. Okay, Joy, you got it. No, you got it. Joy, this is your moment. I want to hear no, no, from no. you now. You're good. I'm sorry. And no, I, I mean it. I mean it. Joy, you tell me the story of the next nine years. Raph is right. It was such a learning piece and a learning curve with everything. And it felt like an experiment for year one. And we didn't know what we were doing wrong. We just kind of like, it just felt like it was this whole entire thing of solving problems, one after the other. So every year it felt like we got better. It just kept continuing to get better and better um, until that moment, right, in 2017, which I think switched us when we were on and got to have dinner with with Anthony Bourdain and crew. Um, and that was really the year that really, you know, put us on the map um, for so many different reasons. And just to be clear here, a producer for Anthony Bourdain's CNN show uh, read an article about your farm in a, in a Seattle newspaper. And then like a month later, there's a TV crew filming you at the farm and you're having dinner with Anthony Bourdain and you wind up on his show on CNN. What does that do for your business? Right after that show, 
all these people hit us up and said, hey, we'd love to buy your product. Can you ship us a pound? I live in Texas. I live in California. It's like, no, that's actually illegal. We can't do that. Uh And so it's hard to monetize that piece when you can't be close to the consumer. But on Uh that branding piece, Uh absolutely. Absolutely. It gave us a lot of credibility in spaces that we weren't really, um, we didn't know existed. So let's just talk about the business today, like sort of what it is, how it works. Um, I pulled it up on on Google Maps on the like satellite images one. If you just Google map Hollingsworth Cannabis Company, it comes up and like I'm zooming in. But first of all, it is clearly like way out in the middle of nowhere, right? It's just trees and farms. And what is that? Maybe a creek all around. But if I zoom in more, like I can actually see like it looks like mostly greenhouses. And that's where you grow the weed, grow the cannabis. Correct. So we have eight greenhouses. We have three shipping containers and we just modified them to the buildings like wired and with doors. So they're, I mean, they feel like, you know, steel frame buildings, but then we have a converted construction trailer and that's where we do all the processing. It's renovated hardwood floors is painted. It's nice. Tell me about the plants. They're living, breathing beings. They are very much alive. And at one point in time, we'll have 2,100 plants alive growing. And it's like, it's a symphony. It's beautiful. And they're very resilient too. A plant could look a hot mess one week, give it a little nutrient, a little sunlight and figure out what's wrong. And it looks like a million dollars the next week. So they bounce back really fast. And like Raph said, they're actually living and breathing organisms. We play the music. What music do you play the plants? It was like two straight weeks. He was playing gospel music. And I was like, oh, he's going through something right now. That's no, please. <laughs> you okay, man? <laughs> and then the next week he's playing just, you know, some Neo soul music. Now he's good. So it just really depends. Okay. <laughs> Are you okay, Raph? You came through it okay? Yeah, I'm told. That's accurate. <laughs> how, like, how is the business doing? Like, is your dad's life savings safe? Yeah, when we started, our first order was for $2,000. And it took us, joy. would it take us three weeks to... Yeah, it was three weeks to process it. That's not a living. Between four people. You're not going to make a living that way. (laughs) No. So how about now? We could probably get a $2,000 order out in like a day, maybe less, Uh probably the same day. Annually, more or less, how much do you sell? About five to $600,000 wholesale Okay. in marijuana, which equates to like 1,200 pounds. And that's the marijuana grown and sold. Gross, right? So that minus your cost is your profit. Exactly. And so, I mean, there are people in Washington who sell millions of dollars a year, certainly, right? Million dollars a month, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, how do you compete? I mean, I feel like this is like small business lessons here. Like, how do you compete against a business that's more than 10 times your size? Joy, how do we compete with this? Like, we really have to focus on our brand, what we do better than anyone else. Um, you asked Joy, but then you answered. Joy, how do you compete? <laughs> There's a demographic and people, they want cheap weed. People like going to Walmart and Costco. But there are people that really value knowing who grew their weed. Who grew their uh-huh. weed? How did they grow it? And then when you can connect to the consumer with that via Instagram, online, story, connecting, re- building relationships then they feel like, you know what? I want to be connected to them and I want to support them. I want to support this black business, this family owned and operated business. And a lot of people have told us 
they see their family in us. Every time they look at us, they're like, you remind me of my sister or my mom is, or I love your mom. She smokes. She's really funny. Or your grandmother. She's 101. I love her. We connect people on that family piece. um, And that's really huge. You mentioned your mom and your 101-year-old grandmother. Are they part of the business? They certainly consume part of the business. Uh, (laughs) They're part of the cost side, not the revenue side. (laughs) Yeah, my mom's a designated tester. You know, we have name tags for everybody, and that's her title. My kids want to grow up to be ice cream testers. I feel like your mom really hit the jackpot on that one. (laughs) Yeah, she does, too. After the break, the problem Joy and Raft are working on now. How do you help more Black people get into the weed business? That's the end of the ads. Now we're going back to the show. Back before weed was legal or quasi-legal, whatever it is now, in America, uh, Black people made up a disproportionate share of the people arrested on marijuana-related charges. Now that weed is legal or quasi-legal, Black people are underrepresented in the marijuana industry. And this, this is a problem that Joy and Raft are working on now. We wanted to use our platform of being one of the only Black farmers in the state of Washington, not the only, but one of the few, um, to use our platform to help bring attention and awareness to that. Did I read, Raft, that you were on some kind of a state committee that recently changed a rule that was keeping people out of the legal weed business? Yeah. One of the things that we talked about, amongst a million other things, was uh, this rule that the Liquor and Cannabis Board had that would disqualify you from owning a marijuana business, essentially, if you had a nonviolent drug offense conviction or charge in your past. And they changed that rule finally, which is a step in the right direction, but it is not enough. And you've also worked on this this Washington state law that's addressing some of these some of these social issues, right? We helped you know, draft the bill, connect with people, help lobby the bill. We were out there um, testifying. It was a a big heavy lift. And it passed. Yeah. We can't take all the credit uh, for it. It was was definitely a community push. And the biggest piece um, is Washington brings in over, they've brought in over the last two years, over a billion dollars in tax revenue. And so a lot of those funds, we have been using our platform to try to get those back into uh, neighborhoods, which is important. And how this, you know, how amazing would it be that these neighborhoods that were torn up by the war on drugs, affected uh, poverty, um, homelessness, could go back into those communities from cannabis tax dollars and continue to repair those communities with those uh, tax dollars that were generated. I think that is really the goal. And Jacob, I just want to give a shout out because yesterday the governor came out with his proposed budget and it allocated $125 million for disproportionately impacted groups of community reinvestment from the cannabis tax dollars. I mean, that's a huge, like the effects of the bill are going to be felt for generations. Great. So people are sort of talking about this idea that, um, Marijuana might be legalized at the federal level, right? Um, right now, clearly, you're operating in, you know, under all these state rules. What would it mean for your business if we were just legal in America? Oh, my goodness. What would it mean? <laughs> it would be amazing. You know, right now, we grow 1,200 pounds to 1,500 pounds, depending on the weather, of marijuana. Um, you know, street, if that was marijuana that we could sell directly to the consumer, 
can't imagine. I mean, look, a thousand pounds. Convention has kind of put that at ten dollars a gram. One pound is four hundred and fifty-four grams. You're talking about forty-five hundred dollars a pound. If we could produce four to five million dollars in marijuana, actually six million dollars in marijuana every year, it would change dramatically. Would it also mean you would have to compete against you know these giant? even in some cases, publicly traded weed companies that have been kind of building up in Canada and waiting to like sweep into the U.S. when when marijuana is legalized here? Yeah, I think it, we would. But at the end of the day, everyone has to grow the plant. We focus on efficiency and growing it for an environmentally friendly impact. Um, you know, we grow for $9 a day in power. And I don't think anybody really can compete with that in terms of price in economies of scale. Now, obviously, uh, people can produce more marijuana, but I think what we offer that those other companies don't is just that authentic, lovingly produced product that corporate marijuana really can't replicate at that scale. It's like craft beer, your craft weed. That's exactly right. We don't produce a lot of it, but what we do produce, we produce it, you know, with love and attention and dedication and service. And we really care about what you experience when you use our product because we put our name on, you know. So basically, you can't wait until weed is just legal in America. Me and everybody else. <laughs> in a minute, the lightning round, including Joy and Raph's favorite things to do when they smoke and the best and worst things about working with your family. Okay, let's get back to the show. We're going to close with the lightning round. Are you ready? I want you guys both to answer. You can interrupt each other. You can talk over each other. But uh, I want everybody on this one. Um, what's your favorite thing about working with your family? You can't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spending time with my dad and my sister and my mom. What's your least favorite thing about working with your family? Same answer. Joy? <laughs> yeah, the same. An- I, I can't fire Raft. If we have a problem, I can't fire him. <laughs> It's the same answer. <laughs> um, I don't want to presume that you guys smoke weed, but if you do smoke weed, what's your favorite thing to do when you smoke? I smoke before I go to bed. My favorite thing to do is to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't smoke. I'll take some edibles. And then I like to do design stuff. So like, you know, some high level stuff because it makes me super creative. So it might be the website, might be some cool pictures, might be a label design, might be some inspiration, mm. that type of thing. So your answer is work, Joy. Your favorite thing to do when you get high is work. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's okay. No, it's great. If you have just like a 10-minute break in the middle of the day, what do you do to relax? I watch uh, unintentional ASMR videos on YouTube, especially <laughs> the medical variety. It's my favorite. <laughs> well, like doctors just sort of like <laughs> rustling little uh, like plastic wrappers as they're doing a surgery yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, my favorite thing is the the lymph node check. I'll watch a compilation of that all the time. They just like gently touch your lymph nodes around your neck and clavicle. Do you guys think you'll work on the farm forever? No, probably not. How will you know when it's time to go do something else? When I do not love going to grow plants, there is still that like just pure amazement at the growth week over week where I'm just, I'm enthralled like a little kid. Great. Uh, thanks so much to both of you for your time. Thanks for talking to me. Thank you guys so much for thinking of us. Really. Yeah, Thank it was you. great. Thank you. Thank you guys. 
Joy and Raft Hollingsworth run the Hollingsworth Cannabis Company, THC Co. Today's show was produced by Edith Russolo. It was edited by Robert Smith and Kate Parkinson Morgan and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and I'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? That's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanstock, a.k.a. Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, PAX. Go to PAX.com and use promo code GREATMOMENTS, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.